Well, good evening, Grace Church. Let's all stand together tonight. Oh, it's great to see you. Look at somebody nearby. Tell them you're glad to see them in the house of the Lord. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, welcome. We're glad you're part of our service tonight. I, I feel like the psalmist. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm glad to be here tonight. How about you? Amen. Amen. Why don't we just open the service tonight with praise and worship? Can we do that tonight? Jesus, we enter in with thanksgiving. We enter in with praise. Lord, we've come with expectant hearts. Lord, we've come to learn from your word. We've come to feel your presence. Lord, have your way in this place. God, have your way in my life. God, I just want to be in tune, Lord, and, and with what you are doing and your, what you are communicating in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you tonight. You may be seated. As is our custom, we'll start tonight just reminding you of a couple of things that you'll want to make note of and put on your calendar. Make sure your calendar is updated. Uh, men, we normally have men's prayer on the last Saturday of the month, which would be this coming Saturday, the 29th. We are dismissing uh, this Saturday because it will uh, be the next announcement that we're coming to is family night outside. And, of course, they'll be working to get all of the facilities ready. So men, no men's prayer this Saturday. As I've mentioned, the family night outside, it, it is just about here. And I know you've all been looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I was thinking about it today. We've, we've announced that it's the second annual chili cook-off. All right. This, that, that's the last opportunities he, he's had to do it. That was it. Sunday morning, it'll be over. <laughs> But I'm wondering how many annual family night outsides we've had. That's not even proper English, but you know what I'm trying to say. And uh, I, don't, I think it's probably getting close to 10. I think it's getting close to maybe, uh, maybe a decade of family night outside in the fall. And so that, that's pretty cool, isn't it? And it's always well attended. Um, the weather's not always cool, but sometimes it is. And, uh, it's just uh, it's going to be a great time. As I've said before, great opportunity to bring somebody with you introduce them to our church, to our facilities, to our family, and uh, just introduce them to Grace Church. So, so do uh, become prepared for that. It's from 4 to 7, and we do ask that you bring your own lawn chairs and your own drinks. And then um, uh, next Sunday, I'm sorry, two Sundays, um, or not next Sunday, but the next, November 6th, is uh, Veterans Service. We'll be honoring our veterans in that service, uh, in the 11 o'clock service. So make a note of that. Uh, very, very special time always. Be a very special presentation. You won't want to miss it. And then the last announcement for tonight, I want it's a new announcement. Share it with you. Friday night, November the 4th. Mark your calendars for Friday night, November the 4th. This is a district event. The Louisiana District Choir will be singing at the First Pentecostal Church of Denham Springs at 7 p.m. on that Friday night. Mark your calendars. I've already heard from a couple of folks that are planning to go. And uh, I know if you plan to go, you will be blessed uh, worshiping uh, with those all from all across our district. So make a note of that. God bless you tonight. If you got it, say, I got it. Awesome. Are you ready to hear from the word of God tonight? Amen. I know I am. As pastor prepares to come to the pulpit, would you just clap your hands one more time to Jesus and let him know how much you love him? God bless you. Thank you, Brother Bunch. Great to see everybody here tonight. And uh, I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited to see all of you and uh, expecting uh, just some good things to uh, come.
come out of tonight as a, as a result of uh, our presentation. So again, it's great to see everybody. Thank you so very much for being here. And uh, Sister Landry has asked me to uh, announce that she needs a few people to help um, set up for Saturday. And uh, so if you could see her after church, um, some of that may be done tonight. It may be done Saturday. But if you can help her out Saturday, please respond to this. It would be deeply appreciated. Um, boys and girls, male and female, men and women, right down the line, uh, she needs some help. So if you could help her with that, it'd be deeply, deeply appreciated. <clears throat> uh, Sunday was amazing, as always. Uh, Brother Jason just did an outstanding job with the Word of God Sunday. And um, I'm very thankful for our ministry team and the uh, awesome, awesome contributions they make to the kingdom of God uh, literally on a weekly basis. Thankful for my ministry team. <clears throat> I want to launch into our presentation tonight. Uh, last Wednesday night, of course, we had our um, young people in the sanctuary with us, and uh, they sang, they played, and they preached to us last Wednesday night. And it was absolutely amazing. I have heard numerous comments, lots of comments and appreciation for what our young folks did here last Wednesday night. And those people said, when will we hear that again? And uh, we will make that happen as soon as we can. So uh, just sit tight and be patient. But you'll be hearing from our, our young people again, every one of them, uh, the band, the singers, the speakers. Every one of them did an outstanding job, and I thank Brother Dave tonight for heading all of that up and putting all that together. Let's give Brother Dave some appreciation tonight. Amen. So Wednesday night before last, I introduced a, a study series that I will be embarking on for the next uh, several weeks. <clears throat> it's called The Principle of the Path, and I'm taking this material from Andy Stanley's book with the same name. And uh, so Wednesday night before last, we introduced it. Uh, this is a completely different teaching style for me. Um, the material is, is so, uh, there's, there's more depth in it, and, there's, and it's, it's common sense as much as anything else. Um, it has really impacted my life personally. And I've been very anxious. I've, been, I've mentioned it several times over the past number of months, so here we are. But tonight I want to talk to you about solution or path. When you have a, a lot of problems going on in your life, do you need a solution or do you need a path? I'm sure all of us have heard of the old movie, The Wizard of Oz. I'd be surprised if there's anybody here tonight that hasn't heard of that outside of Avery Henson. Um, we all know the storyline, no doubt. I'm not promoting this movie. Uh, if I have seen it, I don't know when that was. If I was a kid, I don't have hardly any recollection of it, even though it has been publicized tremendously since it came out. It's about this little girl trying to go to an Emerald City to see this person called the Wizard of Oz. 
a, a, a man witch is what this boils down to, a male witch. We all know the storyline, no doubt. I'm not promoting it in any way, shape, or form, but to segue into my presentation tonight, the part I will use is when the good witch in this movie, if there is such a thing, told Dorothy, the little girl whose house in Kansas got blown away somewhere, it's always best to start at the beginning. All you do is follow the yellow brick road. And as it turned out, she was right. Finding the Emerald City was just simply a matter of following the yellow brick road. That doesn't sound real complicated, does it? It sounds real easy, a lot of common sense, and granted, Dorothy encountered a few obstacles along the way, but she never got lost. She never got lost. She kept following that yellow brick road. She stayed on that yellow brick road, and eventually she found herself in the wonderful land of Oz. Why? Because there was something special about Dorothy or her companions? No. Because that's where the yellow brick road led. And that was the path she chose. Wouldn't it be great if there were a yellow brick road that led to wherever it is you want to go in life? That would be a wonderful thing. Imagine a yellow brick road that led to a marriage that was so phenomenal. It would make you live every single day like you couldn't wait to get home to be with your spouse. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a yellow brick road that could lead you back into a relationship with someone you never thought you'd be able to reconnect with? For example, your parents... A son, a daughter, a best friend. How about if there was a yellow brick road that leads you to an amazing relationship with God? I want to say that road does exist. It's not a yellow brick road that leads to a wizard. But it's a road stained in blood that begins in repentance that leads to Jesus. That road still exists. Oh, that everyone would find it. What if there were a road that would lead you out of the valley of guilt? What if there was a road that would lead you out of the valley of shame and depression? If that were the case, if that were the case, you would stop looking for solutions to problems and you would start looking for the right path. Does that make sense to anybody tonight here besides me? You would start making good decisions. Every day when you have to make a decision, you would weigh it out and make sure that it is a good decision. Every day when you have a choice to make, you would make sure that you made the right choice. So recognizing the distinction or difference between a solution and a path 
is the first step in understanding the principle of the path. Notice, how absurd would it be for someone who was lost miles away from where he or she wanted to be to say, I need a solution to fix this problem. It wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. When someone is where he or she does not want to be, he or she already knows the solution. Okay, that went and hit the back wall. When you're somewhere you don't want to be, you already know the solution to get to where you want to be. Does that make sense? If your marriage isn't where you want it to be, the solution is to start making right decisions and right choices every day to get it back to where you want it. You know why people struggle with this so hard in marriage? especially nowadays, is because it requires so much accountability and discipline. I just don't want to do that. I could belabor this point for a long time, but let me conclude this before I go to my next one by saying, if you want to be right with God, you already have the solution. You need a path to get back right with God. Everybody on board with me tonight? Say yes. So again, it begins with making the right choices and the right decisions. So there's no fix for being lost. To get from where we don't want to be to where we do want to be requires two things. Time, everybody say time, and a change of direction. Change of direction, change of direction. There isn't a quick fix. Being lost or far from where you want to be is not a problem to be solved. There is no instant solution for being lost. One gets, one gets to the place one wants to be the same way one got to the place they didn't want to be by putting one foot in front of the other and moving in a specific direction. The difference is choices. Everybody say choices. Okay, notice this. Cars have problems that can be fixed. Computers have problems that can be fixed. Lawnmowers have problems that can be fixed. But generally speaking, people have directions that need to be changed. This is one of the beauties. This is one of the great beauties of biblical repentance. You get forgiveness and then you change your direction. You quit doing dumb stuff. You quit sinning. You stop that. And you move in a direction towards God. And everybody said amen. I've talked to a lot of people through the years who want to discuss their problems with me. But they really don't have problems They have chosen to live their lives headed in the wrong direction. They don't need a solution. They need a new direction. It's the principle of the path. 
If you aren't buying all of this, just look back at your own life for a little while. Look back at your own life for a few minutes. As you evaluate where you are relationally, how is your marriage? How are you as a parent? How are you as a, a child in, 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 in your relationship with your parents? If you're on your own tonight, how are you doing financially? Or even spiritually? Isn't it true that when you look back, would you agree, whether it's good or bad, that there has been a typical standard pattern that you have lived in the past? There's a particular pattern to your behavior. So think specifically for a moment about your finances. And is it true that you have followed a specific path financially that has created your current financial reality? Anybody agree with that? Has anybody been robbed lately or somebody hacked into your checking account and took all your money? Or did you do that? Hello? I got Siri up here asking me questions about being robbed. <laughs> At least she's listening, whoever she is. <clears throat> what if you look back over your life and evaluate where you are spiritually right now? Good or bad? Would you not agree that you are where you are because of a certain pattern of behavior? Now, I'm sure there are things that have happened to you financially, relationally, spiritually, whatever, that was beyond your control. But I'm equally sure that there is a long sequence of decisions that you've made that explains where you are relationally, financially, spiritually, etc. There's been a lot of decisions. There's been a lot of things that you woke up one morning and decided to do that led you to where you are now. Watch this. Y'all lend me both ears for a minute. In essence, you have followed a specific financial path, one that, that if somebody else followed you and did the same thing you were doing, guess what? They would end up in the same place you did. It's the principle of the path. Paths lead somewhere. Every path has a destination. Every choice has a destination. Every decision has a destination in front of it. It does. It's going to lead you somewhere. How many of you young people have realized that if you go against what your parents say, it's going to take you down a path that probably ends up somewhere in your bedroom where you don't have your computer and all of that stuff to entertain you. You just sit there for a while. Anybody? Y'all see the boy, they're honest. If I ask you people to do that, you'd act like you had your hands cuffed behind your back. <clears throat> or if you do something wonderful and do what your parents ask you to do, there's usually some good things at the end of that path as well, right? A choice causes you to embark upon a path, and that path leads somewhere. It's the principle of the path. I hope y'all are getting hold of this. I want to say this loud and proud. 
very bold. A person that does not follow the biblical teaching of tithing will ultimately end up at a destination of regret, never knowing the blessing that could have been. I hope our non-tithers here tonight heard the, all the amens and the witness to that statement. There's such a, fi- a fantastic, amazing blessing just for tithing. People are blessed by tithing that doesn't even live for God. Amen. So it may have been a good path that has brought you to a good place, or you may have chosen a path that has resulted in frustration, but either way, you followed a path. My heart's desire tonight is to, is, is what the psalmist said in Psalm 23. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then you read everything that follows that and you're under this big giant umbrella of divine provision and protection and supply. Let me introduce this notion to you tonight. We're going to delve into this long and hard and deep. And when I find a spot, I'm going to dig as deep as I can. Like most people, you saw, for example, that your financial decisions as just that. It's just a decision. There's people here tonight a bunch of people here tonight who live life as though they're individual disconnected events but they're not that at all it it was actually a step in a direction and you are where you are whether you like it or not you are where you are tonight whatever it is wherever you are good or bad you are there based on Consistent behavioral decisions that you make every single day. Again, through the years, I've talked to a lot of people, as you would expect. I've talked to a lot of married couples. I've talked to a lot of married couples wanting to get married, or, or couples wanting to get married. Married couples who were married that didn't want to be married. People in financial problems, moral problems, you name it. Let me zero in again tonight because it's, it's more applicable, I suppose. But I've talked to a lot of people, Sister Murphy and I have both, who have financial problems. And they are looking for a solution to their financial problems. They're looking for a fix. But just as there is no fix for accidentally winding up 100 miles from where you want to be on a road trip, there's no fix when you wake up to the reality that you are far, far away from where you would like to be financially. There's no fix for that. Someone asked one time, what would you say to the husband and father who has not done a very good job managing his finances and because of the downward turn in the economy finds himself in real financial trouble? What would you suggest someone in that situation do? The response to that is this. I have no idea. Let me explain. An economic downturn doesn't so much cause problems as much as it reveals problems. Hard times reveal where we are and where we aren't faster than anything else. You know how to expose a weak marriage? Let there be an accusation of infidelity. 
You want to expose a weak relationship with God? Let there be a trial. You'll find out where you are in your relationship with God. People are always looking for a fix. They're looking for a detour. Somebody tell me, just set me down step by step. How can I do this and make this happen? But if a man chooses a path of financial irresponsibility, he will eventually arrive at an un unenviable destination. An economic downturn just speeds up the trip. What's true financially, folks, is true relationally, academically, physically, professionally, and spiritually. I'm going to add a little bit of humor to this because I was trying to help somebody here tonight. I'm desperately trying to help some people. And there's people here tonight that need this so bad. Need to understand it. But very few people have the golden, amazing opportunity that Kelly and Shelly had when they went to school. They look so much alike. They're twin sisters. If one had not studied or really prepared for a test, she could send in the other one to take that test. Very few of us have that luxury, do we not? And you can choose and decide that I'm going to play around in school, I'm going to play around in college and all of that. And when test time comes, you're going to freak out and panic and blame everybody on the planet for the reason you're not prepared for that exam. It's discipline and accountability. So what's true financially is also true relationally, academically, physically, professionally, spiritually. I'm going to come back to this at the very end. But in the rearview mirror, it becomes obvious that we are all following a path of some kind. Can anybody here tonight just sit around or, or, or hear me tonight and imagine in your head, if you turn around and look behind you at where you have come from, can you see a path behind you? If you have a wonderful marriage, wonderful family, wonderful kids, don't you see that path of accountability, of responsibility, of obedience, what have you? Can't you see that kind of a path behind you rather than if everything is a disaster in your life? Look back at your life. There's a path behind you. It's not always easy to see it in front of you. But when you look back, you can see it behind you. What I don't understand is... This has never ceased to amaze me. As people look behind me and say, yeah, I did that. That was a mistake. Yeah, I did that, and that was a mistake. And yeah, that's what got my marriage in trouble. And that's what got my money in trouble. And that's what got my kids in trouble. And they look ahead and keep repeating the same behavior. I don't understand it. People don't always realize that life is connected every day. It's like connecting the dots. And what we experience as unrelated, isolated events are really steps in a specific direction. And like every physical path you've ever ventured down, this path has a specific destination. Now, if you don't see this in your own life, <laughs> here we go. You can sure see it in the lives of others. Somebody just told me recently, I, was, I didn't know what to say. I was literally so shocked. I didn't know what to say. Somebody's been through some awful marriage woes that says somebody else is going through some marriage woes wants to talk to me. About what? 
What do you have to say on the subject? The only thing I suppose you could really say is what not to do. If you're an idiot, quit being an idiot. Should change. High five, pastor. It's amazing how we can look at the lives of other people and say, well, that idiot should have seen that coming. I saw that coming from a mile away. I've had more people tell me that when they're in more deep trouble themselves. It's Jesus gave this principle. How can you tell what's going on in somebody else's life when yours is messed up? That's the Murphy translation. But if you don't see this in your own life, I'm sure... You can truly see it in others, and we'll come to that later down the line. So when you meet people who have enviable lives, financially or spiritually, isn't it true that they always have some story to tell? When you start asking questions, don't you always discover that they are, they are where they are. They are where they are as a result of a sequence of decisions that form the path that led them to where they are, to where they want to be. And, of course, the opposite is true as well. When you meet someone whose life is less than enviable, his or her story usually reveals a pattern or a path as well. And at some point in a person's story, you would think you should have seen that coming. Let me be a little specific here to you men that work in offices or whatever, whatever it is you do, and you're married, and you see this cute little bombshell standing across, and all of a sudden, that just gets a grip. Stop right there. Don't be stupid. Don't do it. I have sat in my office more times than I can count on both hands. And listen to men cry and sob who have cheated on their wife and wants me to fix it. I didn't do it. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be real. I'm, I'm, I just want to have people understand. Don't do that. It's not worth it. There's people here tonight whose moms and dads have done that or devast were devastated and are still devastated over it. Still working through the hurt and the horrible calamity that one of their dumb parents decided my life would be better off if I brought someone else of the opposite sex into my life. Why don't people understand that? Stop doing that. It don't work. Don't you see it? Can't you see what's coming? And then there's a lot of people that run under the umbrella. Well, I'll be different. I can hide it. I can conceal it. Somebody's going to do something stupid eventually and it's all going to come to the surface isn't it it always does folks it always does so looking back on our own lives the paths are evident looking at others lives the paths are evident it is when we look ahead that we lose sight of the fact that in every arena of life we are moving in a specific direction toward a specific destination looking ahead we're often deceived into thinking that life is a series of unrelated decisions and somehow we will end up where we want to be simply by force 
of will or just good luck. Or as I've heard so many people say, it'll work out somehow. But if you could see a path in the rearview mirror that reflects where you've been and explains where you are, then there must be a path ahead of you as well. A path like all paths has a specific and oftentimes predictable destination, and that brings us to the principle of the path. Here it is. Direction, not intention, not good intentions. Direction determines our destination. You're going to end up somewhere. Everybody in this building is going to end up somewhere in life. And eternity, you're going to end up somewhere. And good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Somewhere along the line, you have to make a choice, a decision as to the path you're going to walk every single day. The direction you're currently traveling, relationally, financially, spiritually, the list goes on and on, will determine where you end up in each one of these respective areas. This is true regardless of your goals, your dreams, your wishes, your desires. The principle of the path trumps all these things. Your current direction will determine your destination. And like every principle, you can leverage this one to your advantage or ignore it to your disadvantage. Just as there are paths that have led us to places we never intended to be, there are paths that will lead us away from those places as well. I heard just several days ago, and it, it, it devastated me, especially in preparation of this. If you, any of you, by show of hands tonight, have you ever heard of the, the world-renowned piano player named Roger Williams? Nobody? Three people? Okay, I'll move on. Whereas no one disputes the validity of this principle as it relates to planes and trains and automobiles, the conflict starts when it is applied to other areas we have touched on. And, and we'll dig deeper into this. Next Wednesday night, we're going to dig some more into it. But I think you'll begin to see that the principle of the path governs all aspects of life, including dating, marriage, child raising, career, finances, health, you name it. It's direction, not intentions. It's not intentions that lead you somewhere. It's not hopes. It's not dreams. It's not intellect. It's not even education. It's direction. And direction is based on a choice. That's what determines where you end up at both spiritually and secular, academically, etc. I know it's tempting to believe that our good intentions, our good aspirations, and our good dreams will somehow have the ability to do an end run around the decisions that we make on a daily basis. But at the end of the day, the principle of the path determines the outcome. Simply put, you and I will either win or lose in life by the paths that we choose to walk. A number of years ago, our country was rocked once again by a sexual scandal involving a very high-profile national leader. By all accounts, this was a smarter-than-average man. He completed his undergraduate studies at Princeton University, then headed to Harvard, where he earned his Jewish doctorate degree to practice law. His, his rise to prominence began in the Man Manhattan District 
uh, attorney's office where he successfully nailed the infamous Gambino organized crime family. Years later, he served as a state attorney general. In that capacity, he acted as an outspoken crusader who boldly tackled white-collar crime, securities fraud, mutual fund scandals, and price fixing. At age 47, he was elected governor of one of our nation's most influential states. He was a young man at the top of his game. That is, until March 2008, when the New York Times uncovered a dark truth about the governor. This outspoken critic of corruption frequently hired prostitutes. Within days, he fell from his lofty political perch to become the laughingstock of late-night television programming. How did this happen? How did a guy with such a promising career suddenly fall? Actually, there was nothing sudden about his undoing. His fall was inevitable. At the end of this story was determined years prior when he chose a path that from the very beginning had dishonor, disgrace, and dismissal as the destination. Direction determines destination every time. So generally speaking, we don't abandon the clearly marked path because we're looking for trouble. There's always something about the alternate routes that is powerfully appealing. They promise shortcuts of more direct and oftentimes pleasurable routes to wherever it is we're trying to go. And it is to become enamored or fascinated of the siren call of the wrong path and ignore the fact that we are heading away from our values and we're heading away from our goals and our dreams and our commitments Think about the times you've allowed a powerful emotional appeal to turn your head, grab your attention, and take you off task. Let me bring it down now to where all of us live. Honey, we can go buy all of that new living room furniture, and honey says we can't afford it, but honey is zero financing. I'm telling you, we can't afford it. We're barely making ends meet now, but honey, it's no money down, and somehow you persuade honey. And you go buy that furniture. You've, you've gotten off task. You, you've abandoned your goal. I can't fill in every blank here tonight, but for every, especially every married couple here tonight, there's decisions that you make every day that has a consequence. It has a destination. The... Married woman with a couple of kids whose life is frazzled and she's tired and she's burned out and she finally meets this guy at work and her justification behind it is this man makes me feel like I used to be. Go ahead, stupid, and go down that path. You think you're frazzled now? You think you're burned out now? Bring someone else into your nasty situation and see what happens. You young girls, I'm going to make another very bold statement, but I mean it with everything I've got. Do not date a young man who works and has a job if he does not pay his tithes. Don't date that man. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. There's a breach of character and principle in that person, especially when he knows to do it. Don't take a job that's going to make you default from your spiritual values. Don't do it. Don't do it. I worked for a man one time that essentially told me, this is how we do business here, and if you want this job, you'll do what I tell you to do. 
I had to for a while because that's the only job I could find at the time. It was in a horrible economic downturn, and I wasn't making enough money to make ends meet as it was. But after a while, I reached a point where I had to make a decision. Man, we can go finance this thing we've been wanting. There's no, no payments for 12 months. Don't do it. I'm using these as examples. Perhaps you're already beginning to identify paths you've chosen in the past that led you to places you did not want to go. Inappropriate relationships that at one time you were committed to avoiding. Financial habits that, you, that, that have left you with pressures you never anticipated. Ethical compromise that promised a reward but left you with consequences you've never imagined would be a part of your story. And perhaps... You could think back to the day you stepped onto the path that has led to regret. When did you start that path? So if so, you're already beginning to see how the principle of the path has been work at work in your life. And you don't have problems to fix. You have directions you need to change, period. It's time to begin living in the right direction. For just as this powerful principle explains how you've arrived where you are, it offers hope for the future as well. And like every principle, once you understand how it works, you can leverage it to your advantage. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't invent this principle. It has been in operation since the beginning of time. Unlike the man that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Archimedes, and his principle of buoyancy, I can't take credit for discovering this principle either. One of, if not the earliest explanations and applications of this principle is found in the writings of King Solomon. We'll look at that next Wednesday night. That's where I'm headed in these past two presentations. We'll take a look to see what one of the wisest men that ever lived illustrates and how he illustrates this extraordinary principle. So let me conclude with this told you I'd come back to this. If y'all could put the picture of Donnie Davis's rearview mirror on the screen. Y'all see that picture? Do you see what's in his mirror? Can anybody tell me what that is? It's a cross. Y'all all see that? That wasn't in his yard behind him. I've been to their house. You don't have that in his yard. He woke up one morning, if I remember correctly, he was going to work, got in his truck and looked in his rearview mirror and he took that picture. I want to tell everybody here tonight, I don't care where you go, I do care, but for the context of this statement, it doesn't matter where you go, it doesn't matter where life ends you up, it doesn't matter where you are today, that is always in your rearview mirror. It's always in the path behind you and there's never an obstacle that will keep you from making it to the foot of that cross if you'll just look in your rearview mirror it's there it's a blood-stained trail that will take you and you're never as closer to Jesus than you are right now just a grain of mustard seed worth of faith and a little bit of repentance and turn around your direction and start heading that way can change everything in your life.
There's people tonight that need to do that. There's people tonight that you're deceived in your mind that you think you're okay. You're not. If you were okay, you wouldn't be where you are right now. Okay, don't lead you down this path. Being right with God don't lead you down the path that some of you are embarking on. The cross is always following us. David said, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. God will never let you out of his sight. For the past, well, since my sweet father-in-law passed away, home where I belong was sung by his son at his funeral. I sat over there in that chair and I listened to it and it pounded something into my heart. I've not been able to get away from it since. Sister Murphy will verify what I'm about to say is true. I like to strum a guitar at home from time to time and I'll pick it up and it's just, I do devotions and what have you. And since I heard that song, I, I knew it, I'd heard it before, but just singing it at his funeral, it just impacted me. So I downloaded off the internet with the words and the chords that you play on a guitar. The words are this. They say that heaven's pretty, but living here is too. But if they said that I would have to choose between the two, I'd go home. I'd go home where I belong. And sometimes when I'm dreaming, comes as no surprise that if you look and see that homesick feeling in my eyes, I'm going home. I'm going home. And while I'm here, I'll serve him gladly and I'll sing him all of his songs. I'm here, but not for long. And when I'm feeling lonely and when I'm feeling blue, it's such a joy to know that I'm only passing through. I'm headed home. I'm going home where I belong, and one day I'll be sleeping. That's what happened to my father-in-law. I'll be sleeping when death knocks on my door, and I'll awake to find that I'm not homesick anymore. I want everybody to understand here tonight. I have wanted to go to heaven since I was a child. Y'all understand that? I received the Holy Ghost when I was 12. I was baptized when I was 10. I dreamed somewhere in between that time just prior to receiving the Holy Ghost that the rapture took place and I was left. It did something to me and I've decided that I want to go to heaven. I preach that often. I say that often. I, I do. I'm not waiting and I'm not going to gamble on a deathbed confession. I'm not going to gamble my life away and doing dumb, stupid stuff that the Bible tells me not to do in hopes that God will be merciful and I'll have something happen to me and I'll have three days to get my heart right with God before I die. Heaven has been my destination as far back as I can remember as a child I wanted to go and I still want to go. And I've done everything in my power to live my life accordingly in case it happens tonight. 
For all I know, I could be there this time next week. So could you. Brother Donald Taylor attended our church for several years, and his words were, we restored him, and he went back to his home church. I say that in all due respect. His daughter was killed this week, last week. Drove up under an 18-wheeler. Probably saw that coming. Folks, you have to set yourself on a path that takes you to heaven and live it. Do it. Whatever it takes. Heaven's going to be cheap at any price, Brother Curtis Young used to say all the time. I've heard him say that a thousand times. Every dime you have in your bank account right now is not going to do one ounce of good when you're in one of these. If y'all put the last pick up there on the screen for me. Everything you've got is not going to do you one ounce of good when you're laying in one of them. You know who's in that casket? It's my sweet Uncle Leroy. He was my mentor. When I first started out in ministry evangelizing, he passed away last year, I believe it was, and I believe he was in his 80s. And uh, he's corrected me, he's rebuked me, but he has blessed me. If he's not in heaven, I'm going to quit trying. That's the way I feel about him. The man just lived a sterling life of morality and character and ethics. He was almost annoying. He was just so, just a wonderful, wonderful man. But I can promise you this. I believe he's somewhere in heaven in that transition, whatever your position is on that, it doesn't matter to me. But that's his casket. I was at his funeral in Cincinnati. He made it. But he didn't make his mind up to make it two hours before that happened. He lived it all of his life, every day, every day. Now, if we could get Leroy Buller to come and just stand right up here and hold the microphone up to his mouth and tell him of all the stuff he gave up, all the stuff in the world he could have done, business, whatever, he was an intelligent man, talented, gifted in so many ways, and all the money that he had. Do you think for one instant he would stand here and tell you, I really regret going to heaven again. I'd have far rather stayed in the earth and enjoyed earth and sin and worldliness and all that stuff. I hate being here. I wish I could just go back and just live, live it up in life and then go to hell when it's all over with. Do you think he'd say that? Not in a million. I'm not trying to be ridiculous nor preposterous. I'm just trying to cause some people here to think that all the things in the world and in sin and all that, it is such a monumental idol to so many people who say they love God and they can't stop sinning. I preached a sermon years ago. I've got heaven in my heart but the world on my mind. It may sound hokey to some of you now, but I know so many, so many people that live like that. You're, you've been deceived. There's people or not you've been deceived into thinking that it's going to be okay and God's going to give me a chance and all of that. You're not guaranteed of that. You embark tonight, you start embarking tonight on a path that reflects your desires. And if you want to go to heaven, you'll start living like it. 
It'll be obvious to everybody. You won't have to tell anybody you want to go to heaven or not. Your life will tell everybody that. principle of the path is it leads you to a destination. The question is are you on the path that is leading you to the destination that you really want to end up at? That's the question you need to ask yourself today. So God bless you tonight. Stand with me. dare say tonight in all due respect to everybody that's here, you know what every individual here tonight good or bad, you know what you need to do if you're, if you're on the road to heaven and, and, and stay on it and you're staying on it I applaud you, if you're not and I know people say in jest in a church atmosphere, yeah I'm okay pastor everything's good, well you're on a hospital bed and you've got a tube stuffed down your throat and the doctor says you have 24 hours to live, how would you feel then would you be so brave and courageous? I'm not trying to scare anybody here tonight. It's reality. I want this church to go to heaven. I want the church. I want to pastor a church. I want to build a church that God can rapture. It's what I'm after. And that's why I'm pulled so hard. I pulled so hard this year on people. And I don't get the response like I, I hope for or dream of. Just don't get the response. Everybody walks out and says, I'm okay. Everything's cool, Pastor. I'll, I'll get it straight. I'll get it right, whatever. I don't know when that will happen. The clock is ticking on everybody going to heaven. I think sometimes I'll say this and I'll conclude. You get the point. But I think how close we came, Brother Dave, and it was only the mercy of God, Sister Farah, that hadn't been God intervening, I'm not sure our sweet Dawson would be here tonight. That would have been a kick in the teeth to preach that funeral and go out to his graveside and bury him. How old were you when you were going through that, Dawson? Ten? About that. But God was merciful. Folks, we got to be ready. we got to walk a path, the paths of righteousness and truth, if you want to go to heaven. Father, we love you tonight. We're thankful for this amazing time of intimacy, of transparency. And spend it with such an amazing group of people. Thankful for every one of these people that are here tonight. And I ask you, God, to let this presentation get buried deep in their mind. People that are living on the fence, lukewarm, the backslider, people whose lives are mixed up with other priorities that are just I, I just I pray earnestly, sincerely tonight, God, that you would talk to these people and help them to really realize what what's important and what priorities are and what priorities should be. Be with our church, oh God. Grab hold of this church and wrap it up in your arms. Keep this sweet church, these sweet people, in the palm of your hand and ask you, God, to be merciful and kind and patient to be long-suffering and to let every person here tonight decide in their heart and mind that we're going to live right, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do whatever it takes to please God. 
whatever it takes to do it, no matter how sacrificial it is, no matter how outlandish it is. But God, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Hold these people, oh God, close to your heart. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you tonight. You're dismissed. Everybody remember, Sister Landry needs some people to help her Saturday. If you could see her right now, uh, she'd deeply appreciate it. Anybody that can help her, deeply appreciate it. Thank you.